millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You're listening to Puma Podcast. When people get their sueldo, the ATM lines are just out the door, right? Around the block sometimes. And then and then if it's rainy season, it's just chaotic for everybody and traffic is up. The idea of that was also something that kind of helped fuel the fire that we can really challenge this. We can make even Friday nights better for people to that level. Hi, I'm Carl Javier, CEO of Puma Podcast. You're listening to A Better Normal. I wanted to have and share conversations with leaders and innovators, people who, in their own ways, have already contributed to making this world a better place. I wanted us, you and me, listener, to get a chance to sit down and learn from some of the people I admire, figure out how they think, pick their brains, help them build out the way that we currently think. So that, like them, we're building a better normal. In this episode, I'm talking to the guys behind Nextpay, a digital provider of banking solutions. Today, we have not one, but two co-founders, Aldridge Chan and Artie Lopez. Whenever Aldridge says Don, he's referring to his co-founder and Nextpay CEO, Don Pansacola. So first off, thank you guys for agreeing to the interview. One full disclosure is... You guys have been powering our payroll forever. We, as the Edpuma Podcast, are forever in your debt for helping us to professionalize, fix how we do things. Um, so yeah, like after getting that out of the way, could you please introduce yourselves and talk a little bit about your position and the work you do? So I'm Aldrich. I'm the CXO and one of the co-founders of NextPay. My background is in design. So CXO here stands for Chief Experience Officer. My role is more or less to make sure that everything, all parts of the experience of our business is as flawless as it can be, both externally and internally. So externally, from every touch point of the customers to our platform, from the website itself to the customer service, and even how our staff talks to people. Internally, it's also how the business connects with each other, from process to information and insights of the customer. Hi, guys. I'm Coach Artie. I've been in the tech community of Asia for the last 20 years or so, coaching founders and entrepreneurs. And I'm also able to do that for SMEs as the CEO and co-founder of NextPay. Okay, thank you guys. Um, so can you just give a short background on NextPay for those who are unfamiliar so as early as 2019, we were already working on this in some way or form. And uh, when we started, we had one goal or one vision, which is basically to improve the financial wellness of every Filipino. And it started out a very, very small company of a few people. 
building a financial wellness app. And the goal was to be able to help Filipinos make better financial decisions. And one of the things that you need to do for, uh, to achieve that is have a good safety fund to, uh, to start off. And the way we thought of doing that was to create an app that allowed you to save automatically whenever you receive your payroll. So the company was working on that for a few months. And then, unfortunately, as everybody knew, you know, the pandemic happened and lockdowns happened. And it was very difficult to push people to save money when they received their salaries when they weren't receiving their salaries. Because a lot of small businesses were using manual processes to the point that when the pandemic happened, the banks closed and no one was allowed to go out. So in 2020, we shifted a bit of our focus to be able to help business owners send or disburse salaries to their employees. Happy to say that we were able to help a lot of businesses send money to their employees when they needed it the most. And as we were doing that, we realized that they also need to be able to collect payments because that day it was also very manual. So now we say that we help SMEs collect money, send money, and manage money so that they can run their business better. Aldrich, you have anything to add to that? As it started in 2019 with the idea of employee wellness, we were already actually testing a few things out and uh, testing the, the initial idea. Pero when the pandemic hit, as Artie mentioned, it wasn't so much about employee wellness. The, the whole mindset shifted to employee survival. How do we even get our employees money? How do they buy supplies? How can they pay for things? Because the banks were all closed. And that's where we realized that, okay, there really is an opportunity here to help businesses digitize some of these things so we can actually get to the employees a lot faster. So um, as already mentioned, we started with the payroll and now we're doing a lot more end-to-end parts of the business um, with the eventual goal of, of course, um, helping the employees by and large. I'm really curious if you can share what did the conversation sound like when the pandemic hit and you guys were observing? Because I I remember we were sort of working together already because it was a, a better solution for us as a small team, but I knew that you guys had this bigger vision. So what happens for an organization when you identify, you know, crisis and opportunity in the same moment? What were the conversations like? I think it was a relatively fast decision because as we were piloting a small program for employees and doing a lot of customer development, we were already understanding the current processes pre-pandemic of what the businesses had to do. So we had a little bit of insight of like, oh, wow, how it's so cash-based still, or people still rely on checks or those brown envelopes full of money and just general corporate payroll. When the pandemic hit, We ended up joining a lot of uh, Facebook groups and Viber groups and just all the observations, all the people asking, how do I pay my employees? What banks are open? How can I transfer this? Those were all signals that were just going off. Their observations were validated as well by all the the problems people were pointing out. And um, at the time, Don and I, we had previous experience working in Canada and US where whenever you start an opportunity or an employment with a new company, They just ask you what your bank details are, and then that's it. You just magically get paid there. But that wasn't the case over here. So we said we can probably do something like that and make it as seamless as well because all this interbank obstacles is not very forward at the time. I want to add a little bit to that. 
whenever you get a new job, you have to get a new bank account. And more or less, the bank account is usually in the bank branch nearest to the office of the company. So imagine during the pandemic, if you lived two cities away, there's literally no way for you to get to the bank because there's, you know, there are guards and there are gatekeepers between cities. And that is one of the things that we identified and we wanted to try and fix, which is why when we were building that solution for NextPay, we wanted to make sure that if you have 10 employees and they have 10 different bank accounts, whatever is the most convenient for them, then they can receive it because they need the money right now. There's no way for them to go to another bank branch. It was really born out of really wanting to help the SMEs and business owners because we were experiencing the same problem as well. So we knew that they were also going through that and we wanted to be able to help them solve that. And that's how it started uh, when we started sending those salaries to any bank or e-wallet that they have that they can easily address. So one thing that resonates with me here is the like really listening to the, the moment, figuring out what people need. I guess I always am shy about how I speak about the pandemic because obviously it was awful for a lot of people and we lost a lot of people, but it also accelerated so much for us. And it, it's like when you're in a fight and your vision just focuses and you understand exactly what you need to do. And that sort of sounds like what, what happened for you guys is you had these things, but you also had the infrastructure to address this need that people needed to have addressed. I just want to be clear and uh, just as he said, no, the pandemic overall was a terrible thing. It's something that uh, affected everybody negatively all over the world. And as he mentioned, you know, uh, unfortunately, some people paid a higher price than others. And really very, very sad about that. The other side to that though is there were some changes that happened to the world. Even coming from something bad, some of those changes were actually good. And as you mentioned, adoption to digital in general, it was something that a lot of studies say was probably accelerated by five years. And hopefully, a lot more people, SMEs, business owners, and entrepreneurs would ride on that growth and learn from that growth. So one of the things we're trying to do is really help SMEs understand that, hey, this is something you need to do now. <laughs> if you weren't thinking about it then, you know, now is the time to think about it because if, if not, you'll get left behind as a business owner and entrepreneur. I don't know if it's a silly question, but I want to bring it forward just to set a baseline for people because for the longest time before I worked at Puma Podcast, I was just on the receiving end of salary. I didn't see what goes into the preparation of all of this stuff. And I told Aldrich, I'm old enough na nakatanggap ako na sobre. So it's the envelope and then the check and you have to go to the bank branch and stand in line to get the cash and so on. And the question is, what should people know about getting their salaries that they don't know or they don't understand? Yeah, you know, it's also interesting no? because I also have been living in the Philippines and working in Philippine-based companies for a long time. And I thought that this was how things were done. But then when I heard the stories of Don and Aldrich of how things were in Canada, it just blew my mind. It's kind of funny that, that you guys mentioned that, that, you know, that that was just the norm, like the status quo. Right, but as I mentioned, Don and I had experience from the West, uh, working in the states and Canada, where there's a lot more digital adoption and I guess reliance on that. 
And I would say the banking infrastructure generally is a lot more open and interconnected. No? If you start a new job, they just ask you, okay, what's your bank details? Which bank do you bank with? Okay, expect your paycheck in your bank account already. And that's it. It's as, as easy as that. You, as an employee, don't have to do anything. And as an employer, they just enter it into their own bank portal and then it's, it's set. And so when we came here and we started learning about the behaviors of people, um, the employees and the employers, our minds were also blown. We're like, why is it like this? We, we, we couldn't understand. And we said, we have to challenge that. There, there's something here that we can push forward. Because Don and I are, are product builders. So we figured there's there's some engineering designy way that we could build a mechanism that can move money easily uh, through whatever banks and e-wallets exist. And surely enough, there there were already some technologies such as Pesonet and Instapay. And there were only a set number of uh, institutions that were working with that. But again, as product builders, we said we can make use of that and, and put together something where you know, the employee doesn't ever have to feel the pain. And every Friday, uh, pre-next pay, when people get their sueldo, you know, the ATM lines are just out the door, right? Around the block sometimes. And then and then if it's rainy season, it's just chaotic for everybody. And traffic is up. The idea of that was also something that kind of helped fuel the fire that we can really challenge this. We can make even Friday nights better for people to that level. And we also learned that whenever people get their sueldo, they'll line up at the ATM, they'll withdraw it, and then they'll go to another bank to deposit it, or they'll just take it out, right? So the general understanding of banks or even payroll accounts, a lot of insights we got was people thought that it it would just empty out. Uh, There's a time limit to how long you can keep money in the bank for. And we're like, no, not at all. Like, that's your money. That should be yours. You should be empowered to use it uh, whenever, wherever you want. So it's all these ideas of just like a true digital account for yourself and something that's interconnected where you don't even have to leave the house. You don't have to help cause traffic or sit through traffic. That's something that we had in the back of our minds as we were building this. And and you know, the really twisted thing, Carl, is that still happens today, right? Companies still do the same thing. Banks still have those limitations and those lines are still there. I mean, I'm happy that we're making a dent with the number of businesses that we're helping with, but it's just really mind-blowing that it's still happening today. To answer your question, that's what people should know, that this is not how things should be done. Things could be better and you should be demanding for something better. And hopefully, you know, as we grow, as we get more businesses, eventually what will happen is you can have a next pay account and regardless of where you work, you will receive your salary in, in the same way, in the same manner. So I guess that's part of like what we uh, envision and dream for next pay. Like the long game of people can just be registered in next pay and they just pass the next pay registration on as they move employers, that's that's great. I'm gonna just go back on this in RT because you know our experience is similar of why things are the way they are. Is there a reason for employers to behave in that way? Is there an incentive, or is it just how things are always done? If we actually tried to really understand why, no, and it goes back unfortunately to an age-old understanding of how banking works, where 
banks are uh, in, in the way that they work is it really is all about the deposits meaning you have to have deposits and those deposits they use for other purposes but unfortunately here in the philippines they prioritize it so much that it's the user that suffers so the reason that you have to open a bank account in the same branch is because they want to keep your money there and they want you to leave it there so that they can use it for other purposes even if they already know that the behavior is people will just take it out and that they will just move it to their personal bank account and use it to pay bills and for their expenses. So uh, I guess, unfortunately, it's the belief system that they haven't changed based on the current behavior of people. And again, who's suffering is the business owner because literally how many days do you lose? When an employee comes in, you force them to go to the bank, open up a bank account, and then whenever every single payday, everybody's out of the office because they're all trying to like get their money and line up. So they actually don't understand that unfortunately this is not helping their depositors. And that I think this is something that other countries have learned and have adjusted to. So from a purely economic and you know research point of view that is the reason why and hopefully that changes i wanted to comment on opening account at a specific branch right like i mean the the a lot of banks still have that policy where you have your home branch and i i think when i moved back here i signed up with bank a i'm not gonna name names na lang. <laughs> but um, and I think I tried to update some details, but I went to ba- uh, Bank A's branch in another city. And they're like, yeah, we can't do that. You got to go to your home branch. I'm like, why? Isn't my record like online? Isn't it connected on your system? Can you not just help me? They're like, no, we don't keep it here. That's in your home branch. And that just blew my mind. And it took me another few weeks before I could do that because, well, we're busy now. I don't want to go through traffic. It clicked in my head. I was like, that's one of the biggest reasons why so many processes are still so behind because it's not actually digitized. And even if these banks are under the same you know, brand, they're not even connected with each other. So I guess I wanted to ask about moving from identifying a problem to action and i think we we see this all the time like we always see like this is wrong why why is this messed up why isn't this thing better and you you were saying earlier rt that we should demand better but what i admire is like you guys saw the problem and you found the path to action and can you talk about what moves happen between identifying that and making action so that maybe other people can figure out how they find their path to action. I'd like to start off by saying that I work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And the one thing I've seen is that to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to have a certain level of crazy <laughs> because you have to be able to challenge the, the the social norms, right? The You have to challenge the incumbents. And I guess, you know, I'm happy that for us, the founders and our team, we have that little level of crazy that we want to change things. So you identify a problem and you see, you know, how people are affected by it and you're driven by wanting to help these people. You're driven by wanting to make sure that they... Uh, live better lives, you know, and they do things better. And that's what happened with us. But I want to be clear, guys, that it's not easy. 
And I want the audience and listeners to know that it's not easy. And when we did this, uh, and Aldrich can say a little bit about this, he approved every single disbursement. <laughs> so literally, the more we grew, the longer the time he had to process. Like he would do it from like 8 a.m. to like 6 p.m., I think, Aldrich. No? And then eventually it got too much. Every payday, it took a few hours of my day. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm going into deep work mode. I play some music. Don't bug me for the next four hours. I'm, I'm about to disperse like hundreds of paychecks <laughs> manually. It was manumatic. So we were still building all, all the, the product to make it fully automated. But there's still a, a semblance of unscalable. And of course, Artie can speak about that in early stage. I startup. love that that's like the minimum viable product is we think yes. that we're enrolled on a system, but it's actually Aldrich clicking every single system, one. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, have, yeah, you have a machine and there's a person inside the machine, like, you know, uh, touching all the levers that you you push on the buttons on the outside. That, that was it for, for a few months. The reason we do this or we did that was because you don't want to build something right away that isn't a fit for the problem that you're trying to solve. So we, we, we're calling this like the validation phase. So once you've identified the problem and now you have an idea of what the solution could be, you try to build something that solves that problem, but in a very, uh, as you mentioned earlier, no, the MVP, which is like your minimum viable product or prototype. And basically you want to test that assumption in the fastest, easiest, and most optimized way. And unfortunately, that, that meant Aldrich had to approve every single disbursement. Yeah, I mean, I became very fast with it. No, I had like dual screen and I was like pa, 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 super fast. I mean, through that, I was also able to learn in design what details need to go in, what details employers need to put in, right? And it, it gave me a really, really big amount of empathy for, for our users and what they had to go through every payday. Right, so I, th I think that that led to us building one of the best disbursement tools uh, so far. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I remember that time, Aldrich, and it really made us feel like, oh my god, if I was a small business owner and had to do this every single payday, I'm losing so much time and and money, and that I could be using to grow my business, and that just drove us more to like really build a, a really good product. I think I'm very confident in saying that we have the best disbursement facility in the country bar none. And I know that for a fact because I know that even users of banks transfer to us because it's much, much easier for them and it's better for their employees as well. That really resonates with me, especially on getting something out because I think that's one of the things that stops a lot of people is they they need something to be right or they need something to be built out before. And then by the time that they're building, na sila nung trend or na sila nung opportunity. The, the chance has passed. Um, I wanted to ask how you, you're thinking about people's adoption of digital in general from your experience with Nextpay, but in general, like how are you viewing the world now? How should entrepreneurs be thinking about how people treat finances differently post-pandemic? I think, um, you know, let's say pre-pandemic, um, by and large, there was just a general maybe mistrust or misconception of banks and e-wallets and people thinking, oh, no, I'm going to get hacked or socially engineered. And those threats still exist today, right? I guess society was forced to adopt people kind of started to wrap their heads around it and say, oh, actually, digital is actually quite secure, overall quite dependable um, and very flexible. 
So it helps shape the mindset of a lot of people, not only entrepreneurs, but the general population. So for entrepreneurs, it's also the mindset of like, okay, how can we make XYZ processes or anything digital now? Right. And I think that that also helped lead to the, the emergence of a lot of other startups in the Philippines in different industries. So it was kind of really cool to see that. Um, but obviously, with with anything digital, there is a layer of um, accessibility that's needed because internet connectivity is always a requirement. And security wise, uh, just your infrastructure is super important or even good security practices like passwords and um, education about like social engineering. And I think recently the, the, the regulation on the SMS where you're, uh, you're not allowed to put links in there, that was one way of doing it. Really interesting. But um, maybe, Ardi, you have more to say on, on a few of those ones. In terms of, let's say, finances and e-wallets, one of the things that happened was before, kasi, like my mom would have no reason to use Gcash, right? But because of the pandemic, there were a lot more merchants, especially the ones at home, you know, selling cookies, selling food. And at the time, again, because limited ang mobility mo and transport mo, if you wanted to get food sent to you, well, you'd have to pay via Gcash. There's no other way. So she had to learn. And uh, I think that's uh, that's something that happened for every single area uh, in terms of not just finances, as Aldrich said, no? in terms of content, in terms of communication. You know, they learned how to use Messenger more, Viber more. And uh, that's uh, hopefully continuing today. Adoption is relatively forced upon us because of this event. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of good things that happen after that. Yeah, so Jose, I was thinking that the the biggest barrier was trust. Um, and knowing that cash is the most trustworthy thing, people had no incentive. But now after the pandemic, or because of the pandemic, you were forced to jump over the trust issue because it was mere necessity. Correct. Wala kang choice. And people have not reverted back to cash. Like, they found it secure. Um, but I guess that leads into the, the next question, which is just in general about keeping the account secure and how much people should be able to trust these moving forward. Because obviously, because of the large-scale adoption, there's much more scamming in this space than there used to be. Um, are you guys watching trends? Are you guys introducing things that may be relevant to your users specifically? Yeah, you know, definitely. So let's say, for example, you know, being able to keep your password safe, not showing your OTP to other people. And as mentioned, you know, sometimes people take advantage of that. Now, I feel that that is something that we cannot, we'll never be able to remove. No? And what we need to do as technology builders is to be able to make sure to reduce the chances of that happening as much as we can. So even in next space, security has always been one of our primary concerns. And even when we built it palang from the ground up, we wanted to make sure that, you know, there's a right approval process, that we tell you how to keep your password safe, and that we have these OTPs also and approval mechanisms in place. Almost every app I know offers two-factor authentication as a security measure or SMS uh, OTP. So yeah, I believe it's the responsibility of uh, the innovators to consider this as an important factor when building technology, that they're not building it just for tech natives. They're building it for everyone and they have to consider the usage of everyone and adoption of everyone. I think in recent years, um, we, we saw a much more 
parang magnified appreciation as well or uh, more importance placed on data privacy right from even the most not so information sensitive apps but i think facebook was the one, probably the biggest one and how everyone's like oh man the, all your apps are listening to you and then the ads are becoming relevant to something you just mentioned uh, in conversation in passing and it started to freak people out so just the general thought of like okay how do you make sure you know user data is protected and understanding and empathizing with your user or your customer base there is really important all of those and all the things that are just mentioned it ultimately you know adds to your brand reputation and if even if you're a small startup but you place a lot of um, attention to these details that's how you're also going to get a lot of trust from your users and i think that's one of the things that we were able to do very early on because you know at the beginning of course we we had very few customers to start like Artie said it was really really hard but you know one of the things that we said is like okay we're going to deal with your money but we have put xyz measures in place to make sure that we're trustworthy right we have the license we have these backup plans and all that so just give us a try and that's how a lot of people started to use nextpay they're like oh man okay pala to and because we also had a few nice little touches like whenever you get your paycheck you get a nice little sms confirming that hey your money's in your bank go check it you know it's there and when people do they get that little aha moment of like nice <laughs> that's awesome my money is here and it's safe and it was efficient so we were able to kind of build um, a lot of momentum in in that area too Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com/acast. That's burrow.com/acast. burrow.com/acast. I wanted to zoom out now because you guys are working in in the finance space and just to see how you're viewing sort of what's been happening. I, I know it's been a couple months since like the major mergers there were some bank runs the crypto exchanges defi like all of these things that we are hearing about how are you guys thinking about these trends and how do you see yourselves and and the filipino market in general in the face of these global trends so uh, i i was also an entrepreneur by nature and by heart a very very long time ago and when i was first starting out as an early entrepreneur i thought that I didn't need to know these things. Like it doesn't bother me. It doesn't it doesn't matter to me. I just need to do what I need to do. And so I didn't listen. I didn't watch these trends in terms of like the macroeconomic things happening in 
places that are far from me, like the U.S. market and all of these things. As I grew more mature as an entrepreneur, I started to understand and realize that, yes, these actually affect every single uh, business owner or entrepreneur. And that is why through the years, I started monitoring it and understanding it. How will this affect me? And that's something that I challenge other early entrepreneurs to do, that they should be understanding this. They should be following the trends because it will affect you. You may not realize it right now, but you know, the, the war uh, has affected everything from prices of your raw mats and your raw goods because of the supply chain issues. It's affecting your fuel prices, which is part of your logistics, and it's affecting even salaries. It's affecting the capacity to pay for your customers. So all of these things, you really have to take it into consideration. As a finance company, we look at all of these trends. We watch all of it. We actually see it in action. So because we process disbursements, we can see that when things are tough, our users don't disperse as much. We also see that they may not collect as much because unfortunately, maybe customers can't afford things anymore. And again, these are all connected to macroeconomic conditions. You can really trace it down to that. So my takeaway here is that no matter how small of a business you are, you have to watch these trends and you have to make decisions and make plans and strategies based on the learnings from these things. Part of our story is looking outside so we can bring something in, right? Looking at w- what the outside other countries do, how they do payroll there, or how it should be done, or it could be done for a better experience. And that's something where we said, we can try that out here and see if it sticks. So like what are you saying, like just learning from everything outside could spark new opportunities for, for people then um, as an entrepreneur, you never know. My last big question, um, from everything we've talked about is how do you develop a level of crazy and how do you cultivate a team with it? I think that one of the things I think we are really proud of as founders is that we have a great company culture and that a lot of our people are not just working with us because it's a nine to five job, but it's because they know that we're really trying to do something significant. You know, we're really trying to put some positive change in the world to be able to start or to be able to culture that level of crazy that you have is really identify something that matters to you. What is the problem that you want to solve? And when I coach entrepreneurs, I tell them one way to do that is to literally have three lists. Like you have a list of 10 things that you really love, 10 things that you are really good at, and 10 things that you really hate. And from those, you'll find something. It's like an ikigai of, of purpose now where you, you figure out now, hey, you know what? This is something that I really want to try and address. And sometimes it comes out in being an entrepreneur and starting something new. But you can also do it even if you're uh, an employee, you know, if you just want to be able to make some change even in your own company or in your industry. You should be open and welcome to doing something about it as long as you know that it's something that matters to you and it will really affect change to people and, and really make their lives better. I always say that passion is not enough. You could be passionate about something, but it's purpose that really gets you over the hill, especially when times are tough. So if you can help find that purpose for yourself, that will help culture that level of crazy and turn it into something positive. And you you asked, how do you find people that, that align with that? It's super important to invest 
uh, enough time into finding people that align with you, that you know you can trust, or that you know that they have a fire inside of them as well. And that maybe for some, they, they have something to prove. They, they have a chip on their shoulder as well about the, the cause that you've identified, right? And I think in a very early stage, those are some of the personalities or, or mindsets that you want, that they're as angry as the, at the problem as you are, or it just resonates with them. Because, you know, it's as an early stage startup, that's going to be like the beast that you have to slay every single time. And you have to wake up and go to bed thinking about that like yes i want to i want to overcome this problem we got to challenge this or we need to solve this problem i get it cuz when i used to still do job interviews for the team that would be part of it is to say we're doing something crazy here like if you wanted to do something normal you would be applying to be an employee you just you know go to a company that's stable you w- you wouldn't go to a startup so like you need to have a certain level of crazy to even take the interview, diba. Right? <laughs> Just to round it out, if there's anything that you feel you want to talk about that I may not have been able to ask. I understand that this podcast is focused or catered to small businesses and entrepreneurs who want to be better and uh, specifically the topic of a better normal. And so what I want to say is going to be aligned to that where things may seem better now than they were yesterday, but they will still be better tomorrow. And you have to be prepared for that. As an entrepreneur with your level of crazy, you need to be looking forward. You should be asking yourself, how can I do things better? And if it's not the right time now, then how can I make it better in the future, tomorrow? And, you know, we can look to the past to be able to learn from, from those things and be coming up with a much better understanding of how things are. And again, I just really want to say that to be able to drive that, especially when things are hard, you really have to work on something that you care about. And uh, you really have to find what is that positive impact you want to make in the world and just nurture that. Life is too short to be, you know, working in a toxic environment or with toxic people. And you have a choice. You can nurture that little bit of crazy and, and, and build something great. I think on um, a similar or a related note na lang, um, just some general advice for, especially for early stage startups and entrepreneurs and, you know, anyone in the team really. One crucial thing or skill that we really try to train our entire teams is on is asking really good questions because that helps draw more insight. It helps validate ideas earlier on so you don't waste time and money on this, right? So being able to really understand and do proper customer development for example even as let's say you you already have a refined idea you should never just settle like okay okay na we're good uh, it's still going to keep developing as time goes by and i think it's really important for everyone um, in a startup to have a very customer's mindset being able to ask really good questions actually helps bring forth a very forward-thinking culture within the company and to your customers because uh, for your customers it shows them that you guys care and are genuinely you know asking about their problems and continuing to develop uh, solutions towards it in the internal side naman 
if everyone is actually really good at asking each other questions, it helps promote a little bit of self-awareness, a little bit of constructive criticism, a little bit more of that forward bringing forth mentality. If I can plug a book, we require this of all our employees. It's called The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. And it's such a great book, especially for entrepreneurs. No? It just gives you a really good framework on, on asking and drawing the best insights without muddying your data or whatever your customers say. And it helps you connect all these dots to develop a better product or better service. Thank you, guys. Now, this was so great. And I learned a lot. And I'm sure that the listeners will learn a lot. So thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Carla. And thanks for having us. I'm sure the entrepreneurs out there got some useful ideas. And if nothing else, we can all relate to the problems they identified about being in the line at the ATM. I really admire the way that the NextPay team during the pandemic saw how difficult things were for people and they decided they would try to find a solution. Obviously, like we said during the show, the pandemic was an awful time, but it was an opportunity for them to build something that would help people. One other big takeaway is seeing how Aldrich saw how systems worked elsewhere and wondered, why can't we do it here? And I know that's like a thing that we often do. We'll see how transportation or travel or in, in next space case, banking is in another country. And we'll go, bakit hindi ganyan sa Pilipinas? But that's where we stop. And that's where Aldrich did not stop. He thought, how do I build that for Filipinos so that their lives can be better. The last big takeaway here for me is how Artie talked about having a certain level of crazy. And I don't believe there's anything like an entrepreneur gene or that entrepreneurs are super special people. But I do believe that if you work in a startup, that kind of life isn't for everyone. It's much easier to go into like a more stable company, a more predictable job in space. And people who go into startup kind of wind up being called crazy. On one hand, there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking for stability. On the other, if you are this kind of crazy, you will love working at a startup. A huge thank you to Aldrich, Artie, and the NextPay team who helped this happen. And to you, listener, for hanging out and to the team behind this episode. Producer Geraldine Pascual, audio editor Joe Salcedo, and the rest of the Puma Podcast crew. I've been your host, Carl Javier, and you've been listening to A Better Normal. If you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow Puma Podcast on all the socials and follow me on IG. It's at Carl Javier, Carl with a C. If you liked this episode, please do me and at least one of your friends a favor. Tell a friend about this episode and this podcast so we can build a community of people making a better normal. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.